Kansas City Chiefs wrap up OTAs and minicamp now in off-season mode. Some downtime, a dead period right now in the NFL from now, June 15th, all the way until training camp in late July. So teams now have this downtime and uh, have about six weeks to just kind of take it all in, relax, study the playbook, and get ready for training camp. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, a lot went on this week and a lot to talk about on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. So far as you can thank you guys for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We're going to get into a lot of topics here on this edition. And plus, as always, we will wrap up the show by going around the NFL out of bounds and I'll throw my penalty flags. A lot to discuss on this jam-packed edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. As we discussed last episode, Jeremy Macklin, the shocking release that took place uh two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, and some really interesting details have come out. Jeremy Macklin did an interview recently, and I'm going to play the audio for you guys, and you're going to be pretty intrigued. A lot of the questions that we had about Jeremy Macklin, how did he find out? Did the Chiefs offer to restructure his contract? How long were they planning on doing this? Those questions get answered in an interview where Jeremy Macklin uh, didn't really, uh, he didn't really hold back. He was honest, and uh, you could tell how he felt when uh, he made his voice known. So we'll talk about all of that, and you'll get your answers on what happened with the Chiefs and Macklin. Why did things go down the way they did, and was there a restructure offer? So uh, that's one of the questions that a lot of Chiefs fans have wanted to know. So we'll get into that in just a moment. One thing I want to talk about is... The London game a couple of years, guys. As you guys know, the Chiefs did give up a home game to play a game in London. Now, so far, about a year and a half has passed, and have the Chiefs been rewarded anything for giving up a home game? And look, I know the 1-5 start, it's not like Chiefs fans were going crazy for home games at the time, but this is the loudest fan base in the NFL, essentially. A Guinness-breaking fan base when it comes to a loud crowd. So you take that away from the Kansas City Chiefs, and what have you given back to the Chiefs in return? I want to get into that because I think we're kind of at a point now, especially with this kind of downtime. There are a lot of topics to discuss, but I've had some stuff that I wanted to say about this London game and rewarding teams for giving up a home game. I've got some things I want to talk about, and I think... Chiefs fans really need to keep this in mind. Think about what the NFL is doing and really what they're asking from you, the fans, and teams. And are they doing anything really to pay teams back? We'll get into all of that in just a moment. Plus, at the end of the show, I want to talk about the championship win by the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, a big congratulations to the Warriors and their fans. But there are a lot of complaints. I put out a tweet giving my opinion on this whole Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma Oklahoma City to join an already stacked team. And I, I, I did not get a lot of friendly responses from this. And I, I'm here to talk about that because I think so many fans are complaining about the, the Warriors adding Kevin Durant. And honestly, I think fans just need to suck it up and get over it. And I'll get into that later on when we go out of bounds. And plus, penalty flags... It's going to be a fun one. One team wanted to sign Jeremy Macklin and spoke too soon on Twitter. We'll get into that. I'll let you know which team that was and which team 
we'll be getting a penalty flag from me, plus a couple of more. But first, let's start off with Jeremy Macklin and the release, which we discussed a couple of weeks ago. I said I thought that it was the right move. Uh, I think given that how much he was making and the production he had last year, Listen, the NFL is a business. The NFL is not designed to make people feel happy. You're not looking out for someone's feelings. You're not looking out to make sure that they're happy. When I when I say they're not, I'm referring to a front office of an NFL team. So in this case, the Kansas City Chiefs with John Dorsey as the general manager of the football team and the rest of the brass, the Chiefs brass, and... There are always a couple of people who always provide their input when they discuss these things behind closed doors. And I think a lot of people, we, we, we were complaining, and I say, when I say we, I'm talking about the majority of fans and even some of the media. People were complaining about Eric Berry, Marcus Peters, and Justin Houston not being at OTAs, which by the way, they were at Chiefs uh, minicamp, mandatory minicamp earlier this week, and I'll get to, into that later on. Uh, because I know it's a big deal for a lot of people. People made such a big deal about those guys not being at camp, or OTAs, I should say, if we're being politically correct. And many people talked about how those guys don't need to be at OTAs, which, sure, I can agree with that. It's voluntary. You've got the option to, to go or to skip them. But here's Jeremy Macklin, and this is something that I did not discuss on the last episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, but... I didn't mention the fact that Jeremy Macklin had skipped his honeymoon. Got married two weeks before his, really two or three weeks before. And he and his wife did not go on his honeymoon because they made that big sacrifice for Macklin to commit to trying to improve with the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously a step back season, especially with the four games he missed due to a concussion. So kind of a, kind of a rough year for Jeremy Macklin especially given that he's making a lot of money and what he was brought in to do as a number one receiver. But the Chiefs saw otherwise. So, uh, l- listen, I mean, there were a lot of people, some some current Chiefs, some former Chiefs, uh, some some guys who Andy Reid and Jeremy Macklin were familiar with from Philadelphia. A lot of guys at, uh, at Jeremy Macklin's wedding. I don't recall, and there were a lot of pictures posted on social media. I don't recall John Dorsey ever being... At this wedding, I never saw any photos of his wedding come up, but surely he had to know. I mean, look, he he he, he sees Andy Reid on a day-to-day basis, so you know these things come up occasionally. You talk about you know how their weeks going, what they're doing in their personal life when they have some downtime, not necessarily talking about football all the time. But uh, surely John Dorsey had to have known this. And again, look, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the NFL is not designed designed to. Make people happy and to care about every every single. Listen, you you get your feelings hurt sometimes, and this is a big boy league. And I can't necessarily say I feel horrible or sad for for players who go through something like this, like a surprise cut, especially when they give up a lot in their personal life to be at OTA, something that is voluntary. But that did spark the the debate about how the Chiefs have three defensive players not at OTAs. But here's Jeremy Macklin, a guy who's working his tail off to try to improve, and he gets cut by the Chiefs. Now, Jeremy Macklin, as I'm sure a lot of you know by now, and I mentioned this on social media, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, facebook.com slash Farzine and that's my Facebook page. Give it a like. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And if you're not on social media, email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Jeremy Macklin signed with the Baltimore Ravens. 
And he recently did an interview with Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, who does a tremendous job with his website. A lot of great news, always up to date. It really gives you a lot that you need to know. Sometimes maybe too much, but hey, look, you'll, you'll never go against getting too much information. But Jeremy Macklin did an interview, a Skype interview, with Mike Florio and about the first 10 minutes, simply him about you know his career, and he's nine, nine years in, getting ready to play with Baltimore. How's that going? How's that transition? Uh, his early thoughts of Joe Flacco and the system so far, those kinds of things. So, and, and Macklin seemed pretty upbeat during those first 10 minutes, but then came the hard questions. And look, a good job by Florio. This is how you do an interview. This is when you bring up the tough questions. You kind of give him the... The feel-good questions, I kind of talk about the now, looking forward, but there are some unanswered questions that everyone wants to know, and Mike Florio asked some pretty tough questions about his last few moments with Kansas City and what that was like and things that we had questions about. By the way, before I do play the audio, I do want to let you know, you do kind of hear some background noise. That Keep in mind, this was a Skype interview that Florio did with Macklin, so you'll hear some crazy background noise, but nonetheless... Here is the interview and some things that you will learn about Jeremy Macklin's exit with the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to take you back to two Fridays ago. I know exactly where I was sitting when I got the notice that the Chiefs had made the move. It shocked me. Scale of 1 to 10, how big of a surprise was it for you? Uh, 11. How did you find out? uh, Through a voicemail. From who? John Dorsey. And what was your reaction when you found out via voicemail? Uh, you know, I, I was upset. You know, I was I was shocked. Um, you know, apparently they they had been trying to trade me for two or three months, uh, which you know who knows if that's true or not. Um, you know, I would just think that you know, and, and they're not entitled to tell me anything, but a guy who. You know, it's going into his ninth year would know if he's being shopped or not. Uh, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I still have respect for Big Red, still have respect for the organization. Uh, you know, I'm not going to badmouth anybody or, or talk, any, you know, talk any, you know, any dirt on anybody. You know, it was it was an unfortunate situation. Um, they felt like, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't want me as a player anymore. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with, with where I am right now. Um, no, and I think that might be the last time I talk about what I like to call my former life. So I don't think I want to talk about that anymore. Well, and just so we're clear, and, and this is a little bit related to it, they could have come to you, I assume, and said, hey, Jeremy, we're looking at your salary. We're looking at your production. We're looking at your age. We'd like to work something out that you can stay here for a number that makes more sense to us from a cash and cap standpoint. I, I take it from what you said that, that that never happened. There was never a discussion along those lines at all. Uh, there wasn't. There was not a discussion with me or my team. Um, I've heard a lot of rumors coming out of there. I've heard, you know, they thought I lost a step. My price tag was too high. Uh, whatever the case may be, you know, I'm, I'm ready to play some football. And uh, you know that that flame that that that, that burns inside of a, of a of a competitor, uh, that thing got a lot brighter. So, do you think you've lost a step? Nope. Wow. Uh, I, I'm flabbergasted. I really am. I, I I really did not know what to think when I first heard all of this. Y- you know, you you inform a guy via voicemail, and listen. I I, I think what I w- would have asked if I was Florio is, 
how long until the voicemail was sent and you hearing it, how much time was there in between? And I can't remember the name of the NBA player who was involved in this. I want to say it was the Shaquille O'Neal trade in 2008 that included Sean Marion to the Heat from Phoenix. And again, don't quote me on this. I may be getting this trade mixed up with a completely different one. But I think Sean Marion may have been the one who said that he found out about being traded on TV. He was he just had SportsCenter on, and that is how he found out about getting traded away. And so I think the reason I'm bringing this up is if it took Jeremy Macklin, what, maybe 10 minutes before he heard his voicemail? I mean, 10 minutes is is a lot of time today in terms of news flying around. So who knows if this was already on social media and he hadn't even heard the voicemail. And then he got a text from someone, hey, look, is this true? Are you gone? So yeah, and again, I'm just throwing out a possibility. I don't know. That's what I would have loved to ask. I I wish Florey would have asked that because I think we do. Hearing Jeremy Macklin say that, how many players come come clean about these kinds of things? A lot of people usually don't. And I think in my, really, if this is happening to Jeremy Macklin, who else does it happen to? And what are the chances that people like you and I, the media, fans, what are the odds that they find out before the player actually finds out? I I mean, I just think that's a really low thing to do to inform someone via voicemail. Look, I, I get it. You got to send the message across and move on with your job. Being a general manager is not an easy job. Uh, probably tougher than <laughs> than how we say it. But listen, you've got, if this was first, he mentions that he had heard that he was being shopped for a couple of months. So you knew that this was coming, at least do it in person. You, you, it's not like this was just a Friday night thing that just happened on the spot. All right, look, we decided that Jeremy Macklin, he drew the short straw. We're, we're, we're letting him go. No, this was something that had to have been known for a while. Is something that Dorsey and the, the Chiefs brass were pondering for some time. And kind of shocking, too, that the Chiefs never went up to him to try to restructure his contract. Listen... I, I do agree that you should have released him if he was carrying that kind of salary, but he still adds something to your offense. He holds some sort of value for this offense. So why why was that not an offer from the Chiefs? I would love for that to be a question. Unfortunately, the next time John Dorsey would be available, maybe by a couple of national Sports hosts, uh, definitely not anyone in the local circuit. The Chiefs rarely allow that, but the next time Dorsey would be available to the local media might be during training camp. So we may not be able to get an answer from him about that for quite some time. But Oh, and his, his response, by the way, on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked were you? He says 11. So there... I hate to use this word, but... The way the Chiefs went about this, kind of sketchy. And I know what I, what I what I said a moment ago kind of contradicts myself. Look, people's feelings get hurt. The NFL's a business, but even at the end of the day, even though this is a business, there there's still a way you do things when it comes to releasing a player. You don't inform them via voicemail. Uh, look, we're in a 
day and age now where social media and texting look it's it's pretty there's this non-written rule that you don't do a breakup by voicemail or a text message or uh or on social media you do it in person if it's a long distance relationship then uh, of course the next best option would be to do it on the phone not by voicemail of course uh, now, some people's opinions may vary on that, but you get the idea. There are some things that when you're trying to inform someone of something big, uh, such as essentially firing someone, you don't inform them by voicemail. You've got to do it over the phone. Yeah, sure. Doing it by voicemail, that's the easy way to do it. But I, I think in these kinds of cases, you've got to do it at least face-to-face or have him on the phone live so he, he can hear it or have be able to respond. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough business. It really is. Um, these kinds of things occur not just in the NFL, other places as well, not just in sports, but regular jobs that the average person works. So, I don't, and again, don't get me wrong, I still don't feel bad for Jeremy Macklin by all means. He got paid a lot of money to go through all of this, but there's still that human element. It doesn't matter how much money someone makes. Everyone does go through some emotions. And for Macklin, he he said it right there. He was upset. He was shocked. Did not see this coming. And later on in the interview, he even talked about how he and his wife are going to try to find a place now in Baltimore. They're, they're still trying to figure that all of that out. Uh, I was talking to Mike McCartney, uh, who is the Royals PA announcer, fantastic guy, really does a great job, and there was an article about him before the season started about how he's called every, he's announced every Royals game since 2000 to 2001, really just a tremendous job what he does, but I was asking him, because he's been around the sport of baseball for a long time, so he certainly had to have known this, And and I asked him, what happens to these minor league players who are just constantly called up, sent back down, called up, sent back down. Do they have a place? Do, I mean, do they have a hotel? Do, do, do teams provide these things? And I think you mentioned early on they still do, and that maybe that has changed. He wasn't quite sure how it all works today. But, gosh, I mean, these pro athletes, I think we as people, we just sit back and we look at pro athletes and we think that, hey, look, they're, they're living a great life. Yeah, sure, they may get released and – uh, called up, sent down in minor, minor league baseball and whatnot, but occasionally, uh, <laughs> uh, they. I think we forget that these guys are people too, uh, with emotions, with feelings, and they get frustrated. They they've got families, they've got kids, and uh, I'll, I'll use Paulo Orlando as an example, the outfielder for the Royals. Uh, this is a guy who's been go- moving up and down from Kansas City to Omaha constantly. And he- he's got wife, and I believe he's got kids. Uh, this is a guy who, who knows if his wife is is moving with him when he's constantly moving as well. Um, so, so this is a business at the end of the day. But I think we forget, too, that uh, these pro athletes, they're not immune to going through... Tough moments, and you you heard it in Jeremy Macklin's voice. Uh, Mike Florio will ask a question, and there's dead air. There's awkward silence. So you can feel the tension. You can tell how Macklin feels on all of this. It's an unfortunate matter, but 
it is a business at the end of the day. All right, uh, speaking of the business of the NFL, I want to switch gears and go into the Kansas City Chiefs giving up a home game a couple of years ago to play a game in London, and there's always this talk about the Chiefs maybe promised a Super Bowl down the road. Kansas City would be promised. Of course, the Chiefs, we would love for them to be promised a Super Bowl. Uh, But the city of Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, would be promised a Super Bowl, and we have not received even the slightest rumor that a Super Bowl could come to Arrowhead. So I want to kind of go through this international series for a moment. So from 2007 all the way through 2012, the NFL had had started this, and it was only one London game per year. Now, obviously, they've expanded and ha- are, are trying to get this to other stadiums and even other cities. Of course, they're going to Mexico. The Oakland Raiders are playing there, soon to be the Vegas Raiders. Uh, so uh, this has been... Uh, this has been a common thing now for the NFL, trying to get, expand the league worldwide. So in 2013, the NFL started sending multiple teams. Multiple, They've had multiple games in London. In 2013, it was the Vikings and the Jaguars that gave up home games. In 2014, you had the Raiders, the Falcons... And the Jaguars give up home games. 2015, Kansas City, of course, was one of the teams that gave up a home game. The Jaguars, for the second year in a row, gave up a home game. And the Miami Dolphins also gave up a home game. This past year, once again, the Jaguars surrendered a home game, as did the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Plus, the Oakland Raiders played a game in Mexico. Now, as far as the upcoming season, Jacksonville, Miami, L.A., uh, the Rams uh, of L.A., you got to keep in mind there are two teams now in L.A., uh, and Cleveland, those four teams are going to be playing in London. Now we've got four teams that are surrendering a home game uh, to play in London. And then, of course, don't forget the Raiders will be playing in Mexico. Okay, now here's the thing. At the end of the day, you quote-unquote promise a Super Bowl for these teams. So here are the teams that, or, or cities, that are going to be guaranteed a Super Bowl. This coming Super Bowl in 2018, Super Bowl 52, the Minnesota Vikings will be able to show off their new stadium. The Atlanta Falcons will do it the following year in 2019. And so far, those are the teams that did give up a home game and are being rewarded for a Super Bowl. Miami, they're giving up one just about every year, it seems like. Tampa Bay, they gave up a home game in 2011. Took them a while to be rewarded with this, but in 2021, the city of Tampa will receive a Super Bowl. So for two years in a row, the Super Bowl will be in the state of Florida. And in 2022, uh, it was originally supposed to be 2021, but... Uh, Near the end of May, the NFL decided that the construction project might not be fully complete for that new L.A. stadium for the Rams and Chargers. And instead, they pushed the Super Bowl back to 2022. So, the couple of teams are being rewarded a uh, a home game. Or, pardon me, a uh, Super Bowl. 
Now, again, it's not necessarily the team, the players themselves, but it does go a long way for the franchise itself. I mean, the owners, Clark Hunt, John Dorsey, Mark Donovan, those guys are certainly going to benefit from this, as will the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs staff. So this is something that teams are always going to try to vie for. But a team like the 49ers that gave up a home game in 2010 when playing the Denver Broncos, they, 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 they I mean, they received a, a Super Bowl recently. The the city of Oakland, I mean, they, they, they're giving up games often, but we have not heard anything about the city of Oakland receiving a Super Bowl. Now, of course, Vegas will get a Super Bowl. Vegas and Super Bowl, that's a match made in heaven. So that's going to happen. However, the problem is that's the Vegas Raiders. The Oakland Raiders, I mean, the city of Oakland themselves, I think they should be rewarded for, for one. Definitely not in that that stadium. But gosh, I, I mean, to for, for the Raiders to constantly do this, and again, the Raiders have a very passionate fan base, so you've got to re- reward that city and that fan base with a big game. The Jaguars are constantly giving up games. I don't know if they have some sort of an agreement or what. I, I didn't bother looking into this, but... They're not getting a Super Bowl anytime soon. The Chiefs are not getting a Super Bowl anytime soon. The Dolphins and Falcons, they're being rewarded with one soon. LA will be rewarded with one, but Cleveland, Cleveland's on this list for the upcoming season. And Kansas City's as well. So you've got a long list of teams that you've got to fulfill your promise to. The Rams, while they were with St. Louis, uh, they did give up a home game. Now, being in L.A., of course, now in your your new stadium, and listen, having a brand new stadium, that's going to be an automatic uh, entry for for hosting a Super Bowl. So, uh, but at some point, you've got to reward St. Louis, too. I mean, those are fans, and look, I, I don't know how crazy fans are. And St. Louis about the Rams. I think out of all the markets in the United States that have both an NFL and Major League Baseball team, I think St. Louis might be the only one where baseball is a bigger deal than football. And listen, I know in Kansas City, the Royals have been the top dogs in town, but look at the attendance numbers this year. I mean, they've taken a big drop. Whereas the Chiefs, even during their down years, not the Chiefs aren't necessarily selling tickets, but... Fans are saying something. Fans were flying banners and signing petitions to to get rid of Larry Johnson, uh, get, getting rid of the coaching staff, the general manager. Uh, Chiefs fans are, have always been following this team, even during the bad years. Whereas you honestly, truly cannot say that about Kansas City, the Kansas City Royals and Kansas City fans uh, truly following those, the baseball team during the down years. So just looking at the the international series since 07, I'll go in order. The Dolphins, the Saints, the Bucks, 49ers, the Bucks again, the Rams while they were still in St. Louis. From 07 to 12, those were the teams and again, this was when they had it just once a year. Those are the teams that surrendered a home game and just about all of them on this list, yeah, all of them have been rewarded a Super Bowl or will be rewarded a Super Bowl, excluding St. Louis. But the Rams franchise themselves, the Rams alone, yes, they're getting one. 
but that is in LA. 2013, you had the Vikings. They're going to get a Super Bowl. Jacksonville has not gotten a Super Bowl yet. Oakland has not gotten a Super Bowl yet. And rightfully so. I mean, why would you have it at that stadium? But still, you've got to reward the city of Oakland in some way. Atlanta's getting one. Jacksonville, again on this list. And by the way, it's worth noting, Jacksonville did host a Super Bowl in 2005. But that was before the International Series was even a thing. But going through the rest of the list... Uh, again, Jacksonville, they're constantly giving up games. And again, I don't know if they have some sort of a deal or why they're doing this. The Bengals are on this list. They gave up a home game just recently, but you've got teams locked in through 2022 that you've guaranteed a Super Bowl game. So Cincinnati, yeah, they could be rewarded a, a game, but not anytime soon. Kansas City's also on this list, and I think Kansas City is owed a Super Bowl. And listen, when you have a Super Bowl in a very cold environment like uh, the New York area, East Rutherford, New Jersey, if we're being specific, you can have the Super Bowl pretty much any, anywhere at this point. You don't have to have a rolling roof over Arrowhead and Kauffman Stadiums. I know the Chiefs were Arrowhead Stadium, was guaranteed a Super Bowl, had that rolling roof been approved. But if the Jets or the Jets and Giants, if... Though, if that stadium got a Super Bowl, why can't any other market at this point? So to me, and look, I think a feasible thing too is, look, it is in Kansas City, the heart of America, right dead center. So it'd be an easy destination for a lot of NFL fans, especially those that constantly go to each Super Bowl. Uh, or if... There are fans that maybe don't go to some of the Super Bowls because of the destination, and everyone has their own reasons for going or not going. But reward Kansas City in some way. This is the I'll, look. I might, I might be biased, but oh well, who cares? Obviously, you guys will all agree. Chiefs fans are the best in the NFL. They've proved it for years and years and years. Again, even in 2012. When that was the worst season ever, fans were getting their voices out there because they wanted to say something about the bad season. In 2009 it was, I believe, when Larry Johnson could have broke Brees Holmes' rushing record in franchise history. Fans did not want that to happen. They signed a petition online to prevent that from happening. So this is a fan base that they love and breathe their Kansas City Chiefs football. And to take away a home game and not reward the team with anything, uh, look, I, I just think that's you're 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 doing it wrong. You're 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 lowballing the Chiefs and their fan base, and I think they really do deserve the big game in Kansas City. Now, look, eventually it took Tampa Bay some time, so eventually the city of Tampa got one. So maybe we need to show some patience here, but. Listen, if you're not going to give a Super Bowl, at least give the NFL draft one season here. They're shying away from Radio City Music Hall and are expanding to other places. It was in Philadelphia this past year. Listen, Kansas City's got a beautiful auditorium, the Coffin uh, uh, Center of Performing Arts. And I've got to admit, I've never been there. 
I've never really been interested to. Uh, maybe one of these days I will. If the NFL draft is there, I'll certainly be there. But I've seen pictures, and it's it's still a fairly new structure. I mean, this opened in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. So Kansas City has the venue for an NFL draft. And, and I still think they've got the venue for a Super Bowl as well. One of the biggest stadiums in the NFL, and I know with some of the newer stadiums, the Chiefs at one point used to be a top five stadium when it came to just number of seats in a stadium. But they're still up there for sure. Uh, they, they've got arguably one of the highest skybox seats that you can ask for. So uh, this is an organization that has some cool amenities and recently renovated too. Let's not forget about that. The renovations are what? Roughly seven years old, eight years old. So I think Kansas City has every right to demand a Super Bowl, if not at least a draft. And listen, I've got to be honest with you. Me personally, even if the Chiefs were at a Super Bowl, I don't know if I would want to see it in person unless I was covering it. I would rather spend all the money ordering pizza, having a watch party at home instead uh, I'll tell you what, if someone gave me tickets to a Chiefs Super Bowl, I would resell it. I I, I really would, uh, just because you'd get a lot of money out of it. And I, and I think it's, it's a lot better watching from home, especially nowadays with how much money the NFL is spending to try to get fans to watch games at home. The, uh, the amount of money they're spending on TV deals, HDTV, NFL Sunday ticket. I know NFL Sunday ticket obviously does not apply for primetime games and postseason games. Oh, but there's still so much money being put into that that the NFL loves it when they have a, a high amount of ratings. And, and the other thing I will say too, Arrowhead, listen, I get it. It's it's out in the open. It's cold. It's not an indoor stadium. So uh, there would I, I don't know how many people from Kansas City would be willing to say, and I'm just throwing two big-name teams out there, to see the Cowboys and the Patriots. Yeah, sure, there are a lot of bandwagon fans for both teams across the country, sure, but for the most part, obviously, Kansas City is, is Chiefs country. So, it may not be the most appeasing thing or enticing sell to have two teams in Kansas City when... Listen, let, let's be honest, a lot of people who attend the Super Bowl don't have a true allegiance to any of the teams playing. So at least, if the NFL is going to make that case, which I can I can agree with, even though they had it in New York recently, at least give Kansas City the NFL draft. Because I think Kansas City deserves that if they're not going to be rewarded a Super Bowl. Let me know what you guys think about all of this. Facebook.com slash Farzine or on Twitter at Farzine21. Because I think Kansas City, look, when you give up a home game, and I know it's just one game, but listen, man, these, these Chiefs fans, they come out early to tailgate. And again, I know that season, the 1-5 and five start, regardless of what ended up happening. At that point in time, if the Chiefs announced the week before that they were going to have a game in London, I don't know if many people would have... Cried over it, but I remember in the offseason when this was announced, Chiefs fans were irate about this. No one was happy that the Chiefs were surrendering a home game and 
playing that one game in London. How how is it in Jacksonville, Miami? I don't know. I I really don't. I I know. I've heard people say in 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 Miami, it's more of an entertainment thing than business when it comes to football. I I, I those are just things I've heard. I, I I can't stand behind that for a fact, but. Kansas City, man, it is both a business and entertainment deal. And I think, and I know Kansas City's viewed as flyover country, but, and I can't remember his name, but one of the assistant coaches for the Missouri Tigers basketball team, who was uh, at one point coaching at UMKC and has coached at other places across the country, he had said that Kansas City is one of the special hidden places in, in the United States, meaning that it, it's a very underrated city and Perhaps maybe an underappreciated city. So hopefully there's a way that Kansas City, Clark Hunt, of course, who, as we've seen, is is very close to Roger Goodell and the rest of that Chiefs front office, guys who are involved in this kind of process for trying to bring in a big event here, hopefully they can make these convincing arguments that, look, we gave up a, a game and we've got arguably the best fans in the NFL. We deserve something. Give us a Super Bowl or a or the NFL draft. Hell, I'll even say both. You've got the venue for both. Fairly big stadium, despite the weather this time of year or or during the time in late January, early February, and you've got a very beautiful theater in the in the Kauffman Center. So I think Kansas City has every right to demand both or at least one of the two. If if we had to make a stronger case for only one of them, I think you'd be able to make it for the NFL draft. And not the Super Bowl. Now, they've yet to announce where the 2018 NFL draft would be. You guys know my, my thoughts already on this. I, I, I think Kansas City has kind of earned it. Given up a home game and the venue for it, I think Kansas City would be a right place to do it. I know Dallas has been the heavy favorite to earn the 2018 NFL draft. I don't know yet, but look, uh, who says you can't get it in 2019 or 2020? So I think in the in the near future, Clark Hunt needs to really stand tall and go toe to toe with Roger Goodell in the NFL and say, "Look, we deserve to have some sort of event here in Kansas City. Give it to us." Like I said, I'd love to know your thoughts. Let me know facebook.com slash farzinvsugian or send me a tweet at farzine. 21. Before we wrap up the show, I want to let you guys know, of course, uh, the 4th of July coming up. And, of course, this is a dead period right now in the NFL, so not a lot going on. We will have a podcast next week, which should be released on the 23rd of June. But after that, I will take the following weekend off, which will be the end of June and early July. So the next podcast after the 23rd will be on the 7th of July. Unless something big comes up, I'll try to sneak in a podcast sometime in there, but... Uh, unless things remain quiet from Kansas City's perspective, uh, there will not be another podcast after the 22nd until the 7th of July. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break from podcasting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to likely do the same thing for my UFC podcast, my MMA podcast, of course, mostly UFC coverage. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll take a break from podcasting overall in general. And by the way, for those who are MMA fans, uh, be sure you check out the Cage Zone podcast uh, like I said, I'll take a break from the MMA podcast as well, and then we'll return and talk about International Fight Week after I take a break from uh, podcasting for the 4th of July weekend. So 
Just want to let you guys know there will not be a podcast in a couple of weeks. We'll have one next week, but that'll be the last one, and we'll go on a bit of a hiatus as we'll return and then talk about the Chiefs as training camp will be just around the corner in July. But before we get into all of that, we'll wrap up the show here. Let's go around the NFL. All right, two NFL players, including a former Chief, got paid to lose weight. Yes, professional athletes are getting paid to lose weight. Seahawks running back Eddie Lacy, former, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, got a bonus for losing three pounds. He, he earned a $55,000 bonus for weighing in at 250 pounds. Or, pardon me, first he earned a bonus last month in May for weighing in at 253 pounds. In June... He had to, earlier this week, he had to uh, be at 250 or below. All he had to do was lose three pounds. And he did exactly that and earned another $55,000. Eddie Lacy has already earned $110,000 just from losing weight. Now, the other player and former chief who lost weight and got paid for it, Dontari Poe for the Atlanta Falcons... He was 346 pounds when he signed with the Falcons earlier this offseason. And the Falcons wanted him to be at 340 or below. So he needed to lose 6 pounds. Uh, and uh, the bonus for him, which by the way he, he was able to do successfully, a $125,000 bonus. Now his next weight goal, his season goal, is 330. I think he has to... Ha- 330 or below by training camp so he's got 10 pounds to do it uh and listen when you're as big as Dontari Poe it's fairly easy to lose 10 pounds especially in a month I've done it before uh let me tell you what three pounds for Eddie Lacey in one month I'll tell you what MMA fighters go through this a lot where they're trying to do their weight cut three pounds even for a very skinny person is not a tall order I'll tell you what I guarantee you, I could lose for fifty-five thousand dollars. Here's what you let me tell you a big secret, by the way. For not that I recommend this, and again, this is what MMA fighters do with weight cutting. It's a very dangerous thing, so I definitely do not recommend this. But if someone's gonna pay me fifty-five thousand dollars, here's what you can do in just less than twenty-four hours to lose weight: have a breakfast, have a very light breakfast and a very light lunch, then work the hell out. And, of course, you hear about MMA fighters wearing the plastics or wearing a sweatshirt to to get that excessive sweat going. So do that. And then you'll lose. And, by the way, for breakfast, don't even have breakfast. And, as a matter of fact, wake up early and exercise even more. Get on the treadmill. Get on a bike, uh, a rowing machine of some sort. Keep doing your cardio. And if you do that during that 24-hour span, you can drop three pounds easily. Especially kind of a guy my size right now. I'm I'm 5'11", in between 5'11", 6 foot, 210 pounds. I could, if I did all of that in a 24-hour time period, I promise you I would drop from 210 to 207. Very easy to do. And they're getting paid for it. Imagine that. And again, for Dontari Poe, yeah, 6 pounds, kind of a tougher one. But when you're 346 pounds, 6 pounds is a fairly easy... It's easy to lose in one month. And $125,000 on the line? Yeah, I would be working my tail off to get that. 
One other thing I want to talk about going out of bounds. Safety, Tyvis Powell for the Cleveland Browns. Well, I should say formerly of the Cleveland Browns because he was waived uh, a couple recently by the Browns. And he was let go just shortly before throwing the first pitch at a Cleveland Indians game at Progressive Field. And by the way, it's worth noting, he is an Ohio native. So, I know what I said about the whole Macklin thing. I don't feel fully bad because these are guys getting better. These are guys getting paid a lot of money, but... Uh, okay, fine. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a tiny bit. I feel for him. Because that just sucks, man. To be a hometown guy, you're playing in your own home state. You're about to throw the first pitch in your home state at a pro baseball game. And you get cut right before you do that. Uh, a Browns spokesperson said that the Browns had no knowledge that he was going to throw the first pitch at, at an Indians game. But gosh, man, uh, it's it's tough business. Like I said earlier, it's a business. That's the way it works in the NFL sometimes. Let's go out of bounds. All right, the Golden State Warriors came away with a 4-1 finals win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, look, a lot's talked about with LeBron and his legacy. I just want to say this with LeBron. There should not be a date. I feel like this has been solidified for a while, but this for sure solidifies it. There should not be a debate about who's the best player of all time in NBA history. Sure, LeBron may have the statistics by the time he retires, but at the end of the day, we value players based on championships. Michael Jordan was 6-0 in the finals. And yeah, sure, he had a good supporting cast. And LeBron has had a good supporting cast in his career with Cleveland and Miami. But at the end of the day, he has a losing record in the finals. If there's a LeBron debate that's happening, the only debate with LeBron should be who is the second best player in NBA history, Kobe or LeBron. That's the only LeBron debate that should be entertained right now. And of course, look, that could be a close one. Of course, if you're going to go with championships, Kobe has that has that honor of being the second best. But you've got to give it some time, of course, because Kobe did retire. He had, He's played longer. Uh, but that's the only debate that even should be happening now. I do want to say this. Le- the bandwagon LeBron fans and a few haters are hating on the Golden State Warriors. It's crazy. A couple of years ago, everyone loved this Golden State team. Now they got a lot of hate because of the whole Kevin Durant signing. I remember I was in Vegas for a preseason game between the Lakers and the Warriors, and everyone was booing the hell out of Kevin Durant uh, because they weren't too pleased of, of how he left Oklahoma City going to Golden State. Listen, it doesn't matter. The war there, there was no cheating involved. Kevin Durant had every right to want to sign with Golden State. And I know people are saying, well, this is a team he lost to and they won 73 games the year before and blew a 3-1 lead in the finals of previous year. Why does that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't matter if he went to an already stacked team. So what if he joined a team that had a 3-1 lead the previous year and had 73 regular season wins, which is an NBA record? I, I don't care. I don't even know why that matters. Durant was a free agent. 
He had every right to sign wherever he wanted to, and he picked the Warriors. And the Warriors were interested. They agreed. They formed a, a heavy roster. There's nothing wrong with this. And listen, just because the Warriors had a stacked team doesn't mean they were on their way to for sure winning the title. You still have to play your games. The Patriots had a loaded team. Regardless of who joined the team and what the record was for the Patriots the year before. Because apparently that matters with the Warriors and and KD signing, which I think is stupid. The Patriots had a stacked team, but they could not complete that 19-0 mission in 2007 and 2008. The Lakers added Dwight Howard and Steve Nash a couple of years ago. They crapped the bed that year. Every single person that had heard of the sport of basketball had the Lakers making the NBA Finals that year. And they didn't even come close. They were one of the worst teams that year. So look, enough of making excuses about how the Warriors were stacked with talent coming into the season, adding Kevin Durant. Games are not won on paper. You go out there, you play your games, you do something about it. If a team is just highly stacked, do something about it. Play defense. Find a way to score on them. Don't let them live and die by the three like they have the past couple of years. Oh, man. I I just think the excuses are ludicrous. We can't make those kinds of excuses in sports. Just because you lose to a great team, you can't make the excuse that you lost to a great team. Go do something about it. The Royals have been struggling lately, and they really gave Houston, the best team in the major leagues, a run for for their money. They had a 2-2 split recently at Coffin Stadium. Last thing before we throw our penalty flags, Vince Young signs with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Obviously not an NFL team, it's a CFL team, the Canadian Football League. Just unfortunate for Vince Young, man. Going from winning a national title at Texas and ends up in the CFL. Oh, by the way, he tears his hamstring shortly after signing with them and is going to miss the season opener with the Rough Riders. Just a really tough run for him since he left Texas. Uh, A quarterback that had a lot of talent and it just has not come to fruition for him. Uh, It's tough, man. Some, Some of these guys have outstanding college careers and... Seem to have a promising pro career, but things just go wrong, and they they're never able to live up to that hype. And unfortunately, uh, this bad luck is just following Vince Young everywhere. Tried to start a new path in the CFL, and it's just not working out. Tough tough luck for Vince Young. Final segment. Let's throw some flags. All right, of course, as we know, Jeremy Macklin was a free agent, and LaShawn McCoy, a former Eagle teammate of Macklin in Philadelphia, tweeted that he's trying to recruit Macklin to Buffalo. The Bills' Twitter account gave McCoy's tweet a uh, a retweet quote and basically said that expected to happen. Macklin signed with Baltimore. <laughs> Listen, uh, I know I, I gave the Buccaneers a l- little bit of flack for what they kind of tweeted at Atlanta, and obviously uh, Buccaneers head coach was not happy about that. But that's that's just something you're being fun with. You're you're being funny with it. This is something where 
you, you know, we're in a, an era now where, where we hear so much about fake news. The Bills' official Twitter account actually tried to confirm that a Macklin signing will happen. And it didn't. You got to be careful, man. And I don't know who tweeted this, if it was an intern or someone who actually has a full-time job with the Bills, but you've got to be careful when you send these tweets. I know I've sent some tweets uh, in Facebook posts over the years that, you know, there's been some inaccuracy in those. Everyone's done it. Everyone's done it, all right? People have done things that maybe they should not have posted on social media when it comes to facts and news. But man, for an official team to do this, that's a completely different level. I know the Kansas City Chiefs, they're very hush-hush on these kinds of things until there's ink on paper, and I can completely understand that. Uh, Why would you want to risk talking about news that may not even happen? So, especially when you're an official team, uh, you've got the the, the blue verification mark, all that stuff. You want to come off professional at all times. So, uh, gotta be careful if you're the Bills. All right, we're going to continue venturing the Twitter world. Uh, Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Nigger League's Baseball Museum at 18th and Vine here in Kansas City. Uh, just a fantastic place. And, of course, they've got the Jazz Muse- Museum right across from it. Uh, he was simply promoting an event on Twitter. And he receives a tweet from a fan who said, quote, direct me to the White Museum. Kendrick responds, quote, until 1962, it was in Cooperstown, New York. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, look, uh, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've been a victim of racist comments, uh, which are just, they're stupid. They really are. <laughs> um, man, that, that, that was a great comeback by, by Kendrick, who, but super nice guy, always willing to talk to people to educate them about the Negro League. Uh, promote the museum, especially to younger people who obviously were a lot of people were not around when the Negro Leagues took place. But man, to 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 make that kind of a comment, asking where the White Museum is, uh, I know we've come a long way accepting one another as a society, but we're also we, we've also got some work to do. Let me just say this too, while I've while I've got this topic in hand. Uh, I saw this video that went viral of a guy in a wheelchair in Reno, Nevada at an airport who went off on a on a Spanish person who was talking in Spanish to his mother. So he hangs off the phone and starts to record the incident, and the guy is just being vulgar just because the guy was speaking in Spanish. I mean, what is wrong with people that you have to go off on them for talking in a different language? I think people forget how the how America was built. And let me just say this too, if anyone listening ever happens to be a victim of, I mean, if if you're just a a victim of racism, here's the response you've got to make. If someone's that passionate about the United States and their race, their skin color and all that, and they're passionate Americans, apparently, ask them to name every single U.S. president in order in all 50 states. They won't do that. They can't do that. Listen, here's my thing. If you want to be a racist, more power to you. You know, we do live in a country where we have the the free speech and all. But if you're going to be that kind of person, at least be able to name every single president in order and name all the 50 states. If you can do that, I think you've got the right to make some 
racial comments. Which, by the way, I guarantee you, any racist person that you meet, they won't be able to do that. So therefore, don't be an idiot. Don't be a racist. Okay, uh, I was not planning on talking about this, but uh, one of the all-star shows on the Bachelor uh, reality TV show, something apparently happened where they brought back uh, contestants from uh, previous seasons of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette where you have the same amount of men and women. You take them to an island at a beach and they basically, of course, try to hook up. Listen, The Bachelor is a show about hooking up and possibly getting engaged at the end of this. Which I think is the most ridiculous show ever. And I'm kind of surprised that so many women are in love with the show. Because obviously if their boyfriends or husbands were seeing multiple women and then chose one person. Obviously they would disapprove of it. I can understand watching it for the entertainment value. But anyway, I don't want to get too much into this show. Because I think it's a super show. I've seen the show. It's ridiculous. Something happened to where a couple of contestants got drunk. And the female contestant involved in this, I don't know her name and I don't care for her name. Uh, she had gotten very drunk and started performing sexual activities on this guy. And the guy who was also intoxicated, you know, he was obviously in on it. So he goes for it. Look, that's what the show is about. That's what the producers want. But apparently this was happening in front of the cameras, which that's apparently abnormal for the show. And I guess the lady involved in this was unconscious, and that was due from the amount of drinking. And now she's apparently got a lawsuit. I don't remember the names, but I read somewhere that she hired two big-name attorneys from Hollywood, guys who are attorneys for uh, big-name celebrities, to sue the, the Bachelor franchise, which they suspended the airing of this. All the contestants were sent home. This is ridiculous. This is a show where people cannot, uh, for some reason, get dates at home. So they go on TV, hook up with as many people possible, because they know at the end of the day, there's no really committed relationship. 99% of these contestants that get engaged, they don't end up actually getting married. They're just there for the TV, the fame, the hookups, because they can't get it at home for some reason. This is the most ridiculous story. I'm flabbergasted that this is a story. I think it's stupid, and quite honestly, I, I, I just think... Both contestants deserve this unfortunate publicity because if you're even on the show trying to find a soulmate, trying to get a rose, you just deserve to be humiliated. I'm sorry, but that show is ridiculous. And I think that it's a very misleading conception as to how people will fall in love or date or get married because there are younger girls who watch this and actually think that this is an ideal way to get engaged and it's stupid it's ridiculous uh and listen i know of a person who knows a couple of contestants that have been on the show uh there have been a few uh, people from Kansas city who have been on the show lately and uh, i can assure you this there are some stage events on that show they tell the uh, the bachelor or the bachelorette who to keep and who not to keep so uh, at the end of the day there's a lot of script on this this is more scripted than wwe wrestling that's how stupid this show is 
final note before I sign off on this episode of the Chiefs Own Podcast. Parker Inniger, who was drafted by the Chiefs last season, tore his ACL midway through last year against the Colts in Week 8. And he is still recovering. The Ch- Andy Reid did confirm on the final day of mandatory minicamp that he will not be available and ready to go at training camp. However, Travis Kelsey, who had shoulder surgery, uh, I think it was in late April, or pardon me, late February or early March, uh, he is on track to be ready for training camp and for sure should be ready to go when the Chiefs open up the NFL season on the road against the New England Patriots. So some good news and some bad news regarding injuries with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I wanted to throw that out there uh, as far as injuries go with the Chiefs. Other than that, not a whole lot of Chiefs news. We did discuss the Jeremy Macklin issue. Let me know your guys' thoughts on that. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Reminder, next week will be the final show for the month of June, we're going to take a break from the podcast, and the next podcast after uh, the after next week will be on the 7th of July, so that'll be the next time we have an episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, so enjoy some time off, enjoy your summer, enjoy the 4th of July, so no Chiefs Zone Podcast during that weekend, we'll be back the following weekend, uh, but we'll still have a show next week, so keep that in mind. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Always appreciate it if you guys can share it on social media. And the interaction, pardon me, is always a lot of fun. Always much appreciated. Much love to you guys. Thank you guys, as always, for the interaction and for downloading and listening to the podcast. Making me part of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, your your work, your workout, whatever the case might be. Always greatly appreciated when you guys listen to the podcast. That's it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzim Vesugian. I'll talk to you guys next weekend. Enjoy your weekend.